Welcome to Achieve Wealth through value-add real estate investing. This is the show where the guru hype is banned and you get direct insights from commercial real estate operators. If you're a passive investor, this show can help you better understand investment opportunities. And if you're an active investor, the lessons from each episode can help you to become more effective in your own deals. Now, here's your host, investor and author, James Kandasamy. Hi, this is James Kandasamy. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate you. I know I provide a lot of value through this podcast and I want you to share it with your friends, with your families and anybody else that you know that kind of benefit from listening to this kind of content. Go share it through Facebook, into LinkedIn, through Twitter, through Instagram or any other channels that you want to share it because sharing is caring. Thank you. Let's go on with the show. Hey audience and listeners this is James Kandasamy from Achieve Wealth through Value Add Real Estate Investing. Today I have a very interesting investor with me. Uh, her name is Srilatha from uh, San Francisco Bay Area. She has cracked the code on how to make money in San Francisco. I don't know whether San Francisco but definitely in California. So she have like almost 100 unit with 100% of her, her equity, right? And I was telling her before the podcast started, she probably richer than a lot of people who are claiming they own thousands of units in Facebook and social media because a lot of them probably own 0.1% of that deal and claim the entire portfolio of theirs. But she and her husband uh, you know, owns like 100% of this 100 units, which is very impressive. And her market is New Mexico and California. Hey, Sri Lata, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you, James. It's exciting to be here and uh, to talk to you today. Sure, sure, sure. So why not tell our audience listeners, because I'm sure a lot of people are interested in how did you get started up to 100 units on your own, which is yeah. very rare nowadays. I mean, I can tell you because I interview so many guests. I talk to so many people in social media. In podcast. I'm very well networked in the, in the syndication business and the people who own thousands of units. Right? So <laughs> um, how did you come to that stage? Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is Pretty much over the last um, seven, six, seven years, I would say, is where, how we built our portfolio up. Back when we started, the we, when I say we, I mean my husband and I. So it all started when my husband got sick in like 2010. He was diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, clearly because he was overworked <laughs> and stressed out by his corporate job. Mm. And uh, he was traveling a lot, which does not you know, lend to, to a good environment. But regardless, he got sick. We were like, okay, we need to. And he had a very bad prognosis. So they basically said, you may be disabled in five years. And so that lit a fire in me and him, thankfully. And we said, we got to get you better, number one. And number two, we got to find a way to make passive income in the event that something bad were to happen to you. And so that's really the motivation that drove us to build out our own portfolio. And what we did was we bought our first multifamily in Dallas because we had about 200. What year was that? What year? 2014. 2014. Okay. Yeah. So we bought 12 units for $726,000 and uh, we were able to um, execute a value add on that. Um, and we turned around and sold it in uh, about 18 months for one point for 1.35 million. And so we took the profits from that sale and actually brought it back to California. Uh, so because I was like most investors when I first started, I did not know how to make money in California. And I only had 250 and I had not even bought a house. We didn't even have our own primary home at that point. So because we were so motivated, we wanted investment property first 
And then we said, if we have money, we'll, we'll buy a primary residence, but otherwise we're going to you know, just buy investment property. So we bought that money back to California. And then we said, let's see if we can figure out if we can buy the next one in California. And um, that brought us to Oakland, which yep. is a suburb of San Francisco, where people were moving to because San Francisco is getting too expensive. And Oakland is heavily rent, rent controlled, along with San Francisco and Berkeley and neighboring areas. Uh, so we had to figure out, you know, what can we do uh, with a property that we buy in a market that's so heavily controlled. Um, the first property we bought was a... Um, can, can I stop you for a while? Yeah. I want to go really deep into that. But before that, sure. there's so much information you're giving out. So I want to slice it to one by one. So 2010 is when, you know, your husband was uh, diagnosed with an autoimmune disease, right? I mean, it's, it's a very hard thing because now you, you're, I'm sure you realize, especially yeah. as an immigrant, you would have realized that, wow, I'm alone here. I, mean, I don't know whether you're family yeah. or not, but usually... Yeah, we, no, we don't. Yeah. We don't, right? I, like yeah. me, we don't have any other relatives in the US. Right? So, right. so I'm sure that must be a very, very shocking news because now, you know, you have to do something, right? To move yeah. on, right? So what triggered you to say that I want to go to Dallas and buy multifamily? <laughs> why not buy, yeah. uh, you know, something else in, uh, in, in somewhere else? Yeah. Why Dallas, so why multifamily and... Okay. How, how did yeah. you learn syndication? I mean, buying a, a multifamily, right? For seven yeah, we, yeah, yeah, all good questions. So uh, the first thing I did was actually look at properties in my neighborhood, right? Oh. So I was right here. I lived in San so Jose. Why, why real estate? Why real estate? Why real estate? Yeah, I because now simple. imagine I'm, I'm, you, are, you are a data scientist. Yeah. You are a tech person, right? Today yeah, someone yeah, yeah. tell you that you have to find another income, right? So yeah. did you dream that you want to buy real estate next? Or did you think about stocks? Did you think about bond or... Yeah. So, I mean, it was very clear to me. So I'm very financially involved in my family's life. Uh, so I was already investing in stocks and bonds and I knew that's not the route to go, right? It's not going to give me that monthly check that I was looking for uh, in the event that my you know, husband actually did get for sick further. So uh, it was very clear to me that in order to get a monthly check, it had to be something like real estate. And I, I then started putting stuff into an Excel sheet. Sim very simple. There's not nothing fancy. Just plugging some numbers in. Okay, okay what yeah, if let's I go into detail. What what numbers did you plug? Did you plug? Yeah. Twice? So what I did was actually I, something I actually encourage people to replicate is I did the math for a single family, a duplex, mm -hmm. a triplex, a fourplex, a fiveplex, and mm -hmm. as I did the math, I could see the progression of how uh, much extra cash flow I'm getting. Uh, and the, how the price per unit was going down, right? Okay. So I'm so getting you, it. You, you did multiple uh, asset, I mean, not say asset class, a progression of number of units, right? I, yeah, when I, when I did the same thing as what you did, I went from single family to multifamily directly. So, but that's okay. That's a really good uh, analysis, right? Because you're looking at price per door is coming down. Your cash yeah. and cash is going up, I guess, right? Yeah. So that was the first kind of aha for me. And I was like, oh, this is great. Like, and which market start... were you looking at at that time? Where was this? San Jose. Oh, in San Jose. Okay. So yeah. that's very interesting. You just looked at your backyard. Yeah, pretty much. Right? And it was so... going negative, right? <laughs> negative, negative, negative. What is negative? Oh, at some point it's getting positive. Oh, this is good. So it was, that was the, the progression. So it wasn't great math, but it was still math that was trending in the right direction. So if you buy one house in San Jose, you're going to go negative. Is that right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Even duplexes okay. are negative. Yeah. Triplexes may be break even. 
Uh, more okay, plexes start to make money. Oh, so that's that's <laughs> why. I mean, a lot of people have always asked me, you know, they always say, I want to go to Texas and buy apartments or I want to go to Florida, Atlanta. I say, they say they never see anyone doing they I mean, everybody claims there's no deals in California, right? But whenever they tell me, I always tell them that, hey, you know, you are not talking to the right people. They are definitely someone making money out there, right? So you just define yeah. them and how are they doing it, right? And replicate what they're doing. So that's good. So that's very interesting because now you see like almost fourplex is where you start seeing positive cash flow, I guess, right? In San Correct. Is that yeah. the same case even now? Still, yeah, it's still the case. Oh, okay. It's only gotten oh. worse because prices are just going up. Rents are not going up that fast. Okay, okay, got it. Yeah. So you have to buy more, more units, I guess, to cash flow. Correct, yeah. Okay, good. So yeah. let's continue. Yeah, so uh, from that math, I said, you know, by the time I finished that math, I said, I really want to buy more number of units. So that really clicked in my head. And I said, you know what? In California, I can't buy more because I my, my money was only so much, right? So I had $250,000. I said, I don't have more money than that. I can't buy anything more than four units. So then the question was, where can I buy more? And so I pretty much, and this is honest to God truth, just Googled best multifamily markets in America, mm. okay? And we saw that Dallas, both my husband and I saw that Dallas kept coming in the top 10 list multiple times. And so we reached out to a broker who already had a listing uh, on loopnet.com. And we reached out to him and we said, you know, we're interested in your property and can we put an offer? We knew nothing. We, we had a rough math, you know, kind of income minus expense equals cash flow. We knew, okay, there's some renovation costs after renovation. So we built our own little back of the envelope numbers uh, on what we were expecting to happen. And then uh, the broker also helped a little bit with that. And then we actually got into contract on one property and we put in $20,000 uh, earnest money and uh, we, we got cold feet after due diligence was over. <laughs> okay. So we went into arbitration on the first ever offer I made and we lost the entire $20,000. And now we were thinking, oh man, this was our first deal. We lost $20,000. And the reason was we thought the seller lied. Okay. Uh, we, we thought the seller's leases and we didn't know how to vet it. We didn't have, we were not cross-checking it with someone, but we were so motivated. We said, you know what? That's okay. That's the price of learning. And we said, okay, let's keep going. Let's look in a better neighborhood. My husband actually flew out there and he looked at a couple of neighborhoods and he came back and we went back to the drawing board and then we picked a slightly better neighborhood and we you know, put our broker back to work. Then we found the 12 unit that we finally closed on, which was a value add. Um, okay, okay. So there was two things that you did. I think you did Google and you did LoopNet, I guess, to buy to find that 12 correct. units in Dallas, right? So you didn't... Okay, so that was really good because you all were really persistent in finding that deal that makes sense because you, you, the information you have was Dallas and that's it. You went for it, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a lot of reading. There's one guy who we really liked. His name was John P. Reed. Hmm? Um, he's a California investor. One of his books. We bought okay. like three or four of his books. Really? Uh, I never heard about it. John T. Reed. Okay. Yeah. He self-publishes his own books. He's a uh, West Point graduate. He's like work. He was in the army uh, and uh, army air force, one of those hmm. and uh, went to Harvard and he's a California based investor. And he wrote a bunch of books that he self-published and he has a really good value add book. And that's when we really understood the concept of forced appreciation and value add. And then the rest, we kind of put into a spreadsheet based on of, of, of un, our understanding. Uh, but the real idea of forced appreciation came from John T. Reed. 
Good. Very interesting. I mean, you gave me so much of new information, John Theory, and how did you, you know, able to figure out how does a deal cash flow in in, uh, in the hot market of uh, San Jose? Because everybody out there just buy another house like what they own, right? <laughs> I met a few yeah, friends. They say, oh I just bought God, another house. That, that like burns me. Like I feel so <laughs> See, I bought a house similar to me and I say, well, that wouldn't cash flow. Yeah, it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> so, hey, that's not yeah. investing, right? So. But yeah. that's the only thing they know. I mean, you can't blame them. You have to educate them. But that's, you know, it is what it is. Correct. So from Dallas, 12 units, and then you, you know, you refied it from 700,000, you went to 1.3 or 1.4 million. I did not money refi, came... I sold it. Oh, you sold it. So yeah. why did you go to California again? Well, after I sold it, I had to find a replacement property because I thought I was going to 1031. Okay. Uh, and so I was looking everywhere. I happened to see... Uh, you know, properties in Oakland and there's a suburb of Oakland called San Leandro. And so I was bringing back about 500,000 from mm. that. I mean, about r- roughly speaking, about 500,000 back from that deal. Mm. So then I bought uh, 14 units um, here in the Oakland market. Yeah. So so let uh, me clarify something. So you don't have any coaches, no mentors, no other spreadsheet other than whatever you create, right? Income minus expense equals NOI. Well, we built it out. I mean, it wasn't yeah, that yeah. simple. Okay? Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm sure, I'm sure. Yeah. But, I, but, but what I'm trying to tell the audience yeah. and listeners is, it's a very simple math, right? <laughs> right. It's not. But I think what makes a difference on why you were able to buy that 12 units and able to make so much money is your persistence and hard work. And that is something, you know, I tell everybody, what's your secret? What's your... There's no secret. I can tell you the A to Z of my secret but it's very hard to find someone who's willing hard to willing uh, willing to work hard to achieve that goal right that's the problem right so, so it's not about you know advanced underwriting spreadsheet because sometimes no. I, people go and buy advanced spreadsheet they say that's the best spreadsheet i say forget about the spreadsheet and all yeah. that numbers right it's about whether you're able to you know be persistent and uh, work hard and getting a deal yeah. and making it work right? i'm sure yeah. did the 12 minute was it easy to manage did you appreciate by itself or did you all have to fly down or did a third-party property management or what did you all yeah, do? Yeah, so we did have third-party property management um, and their tar- they had targets, right? So we said, okay, we want to turn every unit that comes um, the where the lease ends. We're going to turn every unit. We're going to renovate it um, hmm. to this finish. And we what we did was we toured other properties that they managed. We pretty okay. much just picked one. We said, we want this one. Let's negotiate the budget. And then they pretty much replicated the exact same thing on, on our property. And this is all from your books that you read about value at, I guess. Uh, some of it. Some of it was from that. Uh, and some of it was just intuition. Okay. Um, and because they are third-party property managers that also have their own contractors. So thankfully, we found a good one where they had the, the, the whole shebang. So they had the contractors in-house and they did property management. So there was no conflict of interest. There were no, we were not managing any contractors. They were 100% involved in the oversight. They got a bonus for that and uh, they would um, see it through. And then there, it was their job to turn around and lease it within a certain time frame. And you never heard about syndication yet? Never heard about syndication. Until how many units you never heard about syndication? I would say until 20, I mean, I started hearing probably around 2016. Okay. Uh, and then I didn't even uh, get into it until 2018. Okay. Okay, good, yeah. good. So let's come back to your Oakland deal, right? You brought the money to Oakland. You found that people are moving to Oakland. And how did yeah. you underwrite I would that say, so, so This is actually a little south of Oakland, uh, San okay. Leandro. Yeah. That's fine. I know you like to be very specific because you're an <laughs> IT person, right? So, so how did you underwrite that deal? 
Yeah, so that deal, so thankfully, so this suburb of Oakland called San Leandro, it's a little south of Oakland, is right beyond the border of rent control back then, okay? Mm. So even though Oakland was rent controlled, right below the border was not rent controlled. Uh, now in 2020, the whole state is rent controlled. So we can't necessarily... So the whole California is rent controlled right now? The whole California, okay. as of okay. January 2020, is rent controlled. Okay. But the truth is not everyone knows it. But if you are a landlord, you have to abide by the rules of rent control. Otherwise, you could be taken to court. So is land, I mean, since you are doing deals in California now, right? Is rent control a bad thing for a landlord? Yes. Yeah, I'm not doing any more deals. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. I, yeah, I just want to know. Because I feel... people, I, I was hoping someone going to find rent control is fine, but I did find a workaround to it. Kind of. Yeah. No, and I, and I can tell you the workaround too, because there were properties that were bang in rent control areas. And the, oh. the strategy there is to um, buy out your tenants. So yeah, what yeah, that's what I is, heard. Yeah. Yeah. You, so you, you essentially, you get into contract because you don't know who's willing to leave and who's not willing to leave. You get into contract and then you put it into your contract that you're going to have the ability to negotiate with the tenants and the seller is okay with that. So they sign off on that. Then you go in with your property manager or whoever, have that conversation with the tenants. And there's a very specific set of steps that the city has outlined how you can do it. You can't just go knock on the door. You have to put a notice. They have to tell you they're interested in a conversation. And once they're interested, then you can open the conversation. They're probably getting um, a bonus, I guess, right? Because of you're paying them out, I guess, right? Correct. I mean, that's true. But they also, the city also wants to make sure no one's harassing the tenants. So that's why they have a very specific set of uh, steps that you need to follow. So you need a lawyer, you need a property manager, and um, uh, you, you know, basically you need that, that structure set up. So you follow the rules to the T to be able to do this. And what you would do is your property manager would have that conversation with the tenant. If they're agreeing on a price, both of you, both parties are agreeing on a price, then you would draft up a document, have everyone sign it, go, you know, go back to the city and, you know, give them a copy of it. And then, um, and they have certain days to move out. And once they move out, you get possession of the keys. And now you have um, access to that unit. And not only that, the hard money lenders, you need to use a hard money lender, we'll talk about that, uh, will also finance the cost of the buyout. That really? changed everything. That oh, changed everything. Got it, got it. Because how many people can give twenty, thirty thousand dollars to every tenant just to move out? You can't. You oh, okay. So you that that much of money, that's a lot of money. That's a lot that's of real money. big bonus, but people may be okay, right? They may getting money and for you, you yeah, able well, to you're able to bring it to market rent, right? So exactly, uh, yeah. But that's because something new. Severely under market, they're like at 500 when market is at 3,000 or 2,000. Oh. They may be going for another rent control, which is similar price, I guess, right? But they're getting this 20 or 30 thousand dollars bonus from. Yeah. But that's something new. That what you say that changed the game is where even the lenders are financing the buyout. Exactly. What do they call it? Tenant buyout. Tenant buyout. Wow, that's yeah. straightforward. So it's, it's, I thought they're going like to give some renovation. New, some, some <laughs> renovation costs. <laughs> yeah, it's just like renovation. So there's renovation LTV and there's tenant buyout LTV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone um, told me that that's the way they do it. They usually just budget it as part of the rehab and pay them off. You know, so but looks like they're very straightforward. Tenant buyout money, so bonus money for tenant to move out. Yeah. Oh yeah, so as long you kind as of have to understand the hard money uh, side of things mm -hmm. because if you were trying to get it financed through a conventional bank, never, it would never happen. Got it, got it. So, do you think you can still buy a deal in California right now? I mean, I know you're not doing Absolutely. it right now. 
you can buy I'm the only that. reason I'm not buying is because I feel like I've gotten to a point where I don't have to do so much work to mm. get the same return and if and po- if policies are moving in the wrong direction then I really don't want to take a chance mm. um because they're coming after any property owners with more than 4 million dollars 3 to 4 million dollars worth of property they're trying to revalue the property tax every year so oh Yeah so it, it, in California you have something that keeps your property taxes lower it's called prop 13 uh it can only go up a little every year but if they change it now i get reassessed at market value and that wipes out and that's every year well they're trying to bring that to market yeah yeah so i saw some kind of new law that's coming in california where they're able to uh, revise so that. it's going in the wrong direction basically so i don't want to put any more money into it the ones i have i'll keep them um uh, but i'm not putting any more money yeah. in taxes it goes up at purchase right and after a few years after purchase but after that it goes like slow, very slow progression right because there's no right. data to support it there's no appraisal but looks like in california they're proposing that whether you want or not we're going to appraise your property and charge you more i guess right Correct. so so what happened after that so you came you bought something south of oakland how many units yeah. was that 14 units and after that what happened um basically same strategy 100? every time the the um uh, because this was not rent controlled i could still do this every time the uh lease ran out i would uh renovate the unit put it back on the market i and then once that was stabilized i refinanced that i didn't sell that one um because so that was the brrr strategy i guess right it, yes yes to some yeah the burr strategy burr yeah strategy, so i yes. it was cash flowing over $120,000 um oh. after the refinance so it wow. was cash flowing really really well and so i took we took some money or we didn't max out the refi but we took some money out and bought more property in oakland uh in north part, parts of oakland you know uh, which have easy access to san francisco um and then we did the rent the the tenant buyout strategy where we bought tenants out and um, you know renovated after that and refinanced those yeah and then the last refinance i did we did the hotel to multi family conversion in albuquerque new mexico is that the 67 units yeah that's the 67 are you all done with it the hotel to multi family uh, uh 12 units have been delivered out of oh, i mean so you're already closed on it but you are we're Which renovating are, right now renovating okay, because it's that's... 100% vacant it's a hotel right okay okay so just going all out the entire crew is there it's <laughs> like 30 people 40 people oh, so they're day. remodeling each apartment is that what's happening correct yeah okay okay how did you find that deal good question so uh in right before the pandemic hit i met a lady who was doing a land entitlements uh here in california and i i, I heard her on a podcast and i reached out to her and um i got very interested in land entitlement zoning <laughs> so i figured out that she was buying retail properties and converting them to uh entitled hotels here in california and her spread was about 3 million dollars just for entitlement <laughs> and uh, and so i was like this is something i need to learn so i went to the city basically i went to city planning department counter which city is this San Jose. San Jose, okay. Yeah, I went to the counter. I had an address. I pretty much asked them all like all kinds of questions, right? What zoning is this? Can I change it to this? Can I do this? Can I do that? And they pointed me in a bunch of directions and I really like dug into that, right? I I really dug into zoning and um and I understood that, you know, what a use table looks like, a zoning use table looks like, what are permitted uses, what are conditional uses. I really understood uh zoning and right then the pandemic hit. <laughs> and okay. we had sold a uh, you know a couple of our properties and we had the capital ready to be deployed 
And so I said, you know what, well, how about we look for hotels? And so we were kind of sort of looking, we didn't know, you know, exactly how to look, but one of the uh, brokers we were talking to, uh, he was not even in, uh, in New Mexico, he was somewhere in Chicago, I think, but he sent us a deal in Albuquerque, which was zoned for, I mean, zoned for multifamily, but it was a hotel. Uh, so we underwrote the deal and we were like, this makes a lot of sense. The price for door is like way cheaper than a multifamily. Even if we renovated, we could bring it up to uh, and, and sold it at, at multifamily prices. It would make a lot of money. So it underwrote really well. And uh, we didn't end up actually closing on that deal for other reasons. But we found an, we found a land use consultant who then uh, told we, we, who we sat down with for a few hours and really picked his brain to understand land use and zoning. And once we did that, we went back and we had CoStar at this point. So I, I used the title, uh, did I use CoStar? Yeah, I used CoStar and I pulled a list of all the hotels in that entire city. I had a VA match all the, put all the zoning in it. And then I filtered down just those properties that had the right zoning. And then I put my broker on it and we found a deal. Oh, that's very interesting. That's very interesting, yeah. That's good because I'm doing the same thing too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good job. Yeah, I mean, but I'm, I'm not step. done yet because I have a deal at the contract right now. So, but okay. but but I I did put all the hotel lease, but I've not done the zoning part, which is very interesting because I think in, in New Mexico you you already have a zoning a zone multifamily hotel, I guess, right? So, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I've never looked at that. I'm just looking at hotels which you can rezone to multifamily, right? So that's a different thing. Right. Not in a big yeah, way as what you're doing. More of an intense process, but yeah. we knew, like I knew from the lady I met who, who you know, who did entitlements. The mm. biggest risk is the rezoning. So mm. if I don't have to rezone, then for me personally, with my own money, I felt safer. If I knew by right I can convert to apartments, and no city is going to stop me from doing that. Yeah, if you already have zoning, right? So yeah. that's good. That's good. But yeah. not all cities have that advantage for sure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, the deal that I have right now is half hotel, half multifamily. So it's already partially zoned multifamily, which just makes it much more easy. Easier. But I'm still going through the process. And right. hopefully it all go through. Uh, but looks to be... You have a uh, public hearing or city council? Yeah, yeah. All kind of things is happening okay. right now. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> but it's very interesting the way that you did it systematically, the way you, you know, uh, I mean, you're looking for so much information, right? You're going to go and talk to zoning. Entitlement is a big money. I know a lot of people don't talk about it. People right. just talk about multifamily, class B and C repositioning. Correct. Right. But but entitlement, land entitlement, zoning, all that's a, it's a completely higher risk different risk level, different reward level, right? And not every investor is comfortable with that. But Correct. if you're specialized in it, you probably can make a lot lot of money, right? So, yeah, right. Sure. So, okay, so you closed on it. So you're doing, a, what kind of conversion are you doing in that hotel? Are we moving from one bedroom to two bedroom or what are you doing? Yeah, so we we what we did was we kind of took a lot of input from property managers mm-hmm. to see if we should even consolidate the units. And we came to the conclusion that, you know what, we don't need to consolidate any of the hotel rooms. They were about 340 square foot each, uh, which is a studio size. And so, I mean, a smaller studio, but it's still studio size. So we said, uh, we'll just keep them a studio. So we are not really consolidating anything. There's one owner, kind of owner's unit there that is going to be like a two bedroom, but the rest of the units are all uh, studios. And then we'll also have a coffee shop 
in front. So you know that little lobby where you kind of mm-hmm. drive into the yeah. hotel, yep. uh, which is facing the street. Um, that portion of the hotel gets converted to uh, a coffee shop. Got it. Got it. So I, have you done the leasing office conversion? Yeah. So the leasing office becomes part of the coffee shop. Uh, okay. Got it. Yeah. Got it. And do you, how old is this hotel? A 1970s built. Okay. So do you have any issues with the wiring or any sprinkler yeah, so system? Yes. So we did have to do fire. Fire sprinklers were the biggest expense that mm-hmm. we didn't know before we went into hotel conversions. Uh, the fire so do you have to do it right now? We are doing it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Got yeah. it. Got it. Is so that something we, that city required? Correct. And most old hotels have this problem where they're not fire sprinklered in every unit and you have to bring in the fire sprinklers into the unit. I mean, they may be sprinklered in the hallways, but they're not in the in the unit and you have to bring it into the unit. And so that alone probably ran like three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars Yeah. Um, yeah that's, that's, <laughs> uh, that's one limitation you'll have on older buildings, right? So, older buildings. Yeah. Yeah. What, what did you do for the, so it's fire is just a sprinkler, no material change and all that. No, no walls, nothing to be changed. No, no, we didn't really change any walls. We did. Um, so the, we did put in a kitchenette in every unit. I mean, I would say an actual kitchen, except it's a, um, a stovetop. Uh-huh. Um, but we do have, um, a, a stovetop, uh, cooking range and we have a microwave and we have a washer dryer. Um, in the unit as uh, uh, as amenities, if you may. Oh, you put in washer dryer into the unit. Uh, a combo unit, combo. So did you have dryer. to run a new piping for that? Yes. Okay, yes. so that's additional and, from what the hotel already have. So correct, but we planned for that um, okay. uh, in our underwriting, so it wasn't. Um, How know. much rehab are you planning for this hotel conversion? Uh, so we acquired it for two million, and we're putting it one point nine, one point eight. Mm. Uh, in renovations. Okay. And you're doing basically this washer dryer, kitchens, and what else are you doing? Um, everything. I mean, the bathroom's new, the, you know, the living rooms, everything's new. <laughs> and we're stuccoing okay. the wall. I mean, we're, you know, redoing the walls. They used to be like that cinder block. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're redoing them. So they look nice and uh, recess lights and make okay, it, so- we're making it modern. Okay. So we're going to put in like a little nest thermostat and uh, oh, Google speakers good. and make it like, and what yes. kind of financing did you get on this deal? Uh, 75% uh, LTC. Is that hot money lending or no, what is that? No, actually a bank, a local uh, bank in Albuquerque. It's a recourse loan? Uh, recourse, yes. Okay, okay, got it, got it, got it. That's very interesting, yeah. I, well, financing can be tricky. Because it's vacant. <laughs> yeah, it's vacant, right? But if you're getting a recourse and uh, you'll, you'll be able to find bank and some of the court issues is something that you have to watch out when you do this, right? So that's good. So. Um, what is next for you? What's next? Um, we're dipping our toes a little bit into development um, simply because we, you know, uh, uh, got so involved in the land use process. Um, it was, it's, um, we're, we're working with a partner to do some development in Texas. And so learning that has also been incredibly useful um, and uh, understanding everything from civil engineering, architectural uh, site plans, things like that. So it's been, it's been quite a ride. Um, um, and so there'll be, there'll be a little bit of that, but we are moving, our family is moving to Phoenix, Arizona, I mean, to Scottsdale, Arizona. So we do hope to, and it's a great real estate market. My husband and I have never been in such a great market kind of in the growth trajectory. So we're looking forward to doing many more deals in and get the tailwind of both the market and um, our expertise in, you know, conversions as well. So 
let's go to a bit more personal side, right? So is there any moment throughout your life cycle, throughout your real estate career that you were really, really proud of and you can never forget for your entire life? That's one moment. One moment. Uh, good question. Um, I think when we stabilized our 14 unit here in California and we had um, someone, I think a friend or someone come see the property and they were like, wow, you own this. And we were <laughs> like, uh, I guess we didn't, rec- you know, we didn't really think of it much because we were just go, 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 go until we were like, oh, actually, there's a lot of pride when we saw that property done. I mean, not just when they told us, but even when that property was completely stabilized uh, because it was so, I mean, it did not look nothing like what it was when we started. Um, and so we had, that was our first almost a million dollar renovation. So it was a lot of money into one project. And so it completely transformed the property. Uh, but it did um, it did give us a lot of pride in the property itself. And uh, were you all doing this while working on a W2 job? Yes, both of us. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah. Um, how would you split the work between you and your husband? I, mm, good question. So actually the easiest deal we did was out of state. The, the one we did in Dallas. You didn't see it, right? We just put everybody in place and we didn't actually do that much work. But once we started managing, I mean, bringing, doing properties in California, then there was also a lot more work because California, you got to do more work. Um, And so it just snowballed and there was more work. So my husband did most of the, you know, contractor related activities. So he would like negotiate budget. He would go oversee the, you know, the, the, the renovations, things like that. And I would do most of the calling of the brokers, acquisitions, underwriting, accounting, uh, anything. I mean, before I had kids, I did more. So I would usually, you know, also go to the properties and things like that. But once I was pregnant and things like that, I was like, you know, this is too time bound for you to be dependent solely on me. And, you know, after having kids. So I took the parts that were not as time sensitive and driving sensitive or travel sensitive. And so those are the parts that I'm and I'm already good at it, those parts. So I just took that over. Yeah. You're like my wife and I, right? So Shanti and I. Some ways, yeah. We just swap the role, right? She does the she does the construction and property management. I do the underwriting and investor relationship. So that's good. Very good. I mean very impressed. I mean you are doing with you and your husband and, you know, without any mentor, any coaches, uh, it's a lot of, uh, you know, I think it's a story of greed and hard work, right? And it's a lot of persistence. I mean, you went yeah. and did so much of digging, right? It's, it's very hard. And yeah. I can and understand. I do want to say that, you know, it's not all like, it was not all sunshine and rainbows. Like there were times oh, when yeah, I was really not. mad at my husband. Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, this is too much. much. <laughs> yeah, because it, it 100% it's too much. But I mean, but but at some points that I did think we were pushing our limits too much, but mm. that's when the growth really happens, right? I mean, mm. if you just kind of back off, then you're kind of stagnant. And then so I, in retrospect, I can see that even though we pushed hard, it was, you know, it was good because now we get to enjoy the yeah, of our life. Flow. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we were doing it, uh, what, 2013, uh, we were working really hard on single family houses, right? So, you know, we used to drive like, you know, every week we have to drive like two or three times to San Antonio, you know, to mm. one two hour drive. And it's a lot of work. But, you know, right now we're able to enjoy the fruit of yeah. our labor, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, that's good. That's good. So why don't you tell our audience how to get hold of you, you know, any website that you want to promote in this show? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is uh, www.theshrilatagroup.com. 
So that's the Shri, S-R-I-L-A-T-H-A-G-R-O-U-P.com. That's my website. You can see all, all the properties I've bought and sold so far. And, um, you know, everything that I do is on there. Um, if you, my husband and I are, you know, moving into the syndication space. So as we bring in more investors into deals like that, we are, you know, historically known for doing, which is a lot of renovation work. Um, you can be part of that if you would like. And that um, link is also on the website as well. Um, I'm on Instagram as Shri underscore Tetration Capital. Um, and um, that's where I post most of my day-to-day uh, -day stuff. Uh, so feel free to follow me there and you can see uh, what I'm up to. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Sujata, thanks for coming to the show, right? And welcome to the syndication world, right? And and for audience out there who are listening to the show, you know, if you want to share this show to others or if you want to comment in my YouTube uh, channels or podcast channels, go ahead and do that. We do encourage that so that we know at least you all are listening, right? We're giving a lot of value here, a lot of inspirational story from different people of all walks of life. Uh, and that kind of comment and support and reviews would definitely help us. Thank you very much, Srilata, and have a good day. Yeah, thank you for having me. That's it for this episode. If you'd like to learn even more, check out James's free audiobook. It's the audio version of his best-selling book on passive investing. You can get the audiobook completely free, along with other valuable resources, by visiting www.achieveinvestmentgroup.com forward slash free audiobook. Also, be sure to join our Facebook group too. To find it, just do a Facebook search for Multifamily Investors Group. Thanks for listening. Join us again for another episode next week. See you then.